Good morning and welcome to Talking Money, what I call one of the fastest hours, at least of my week. Seems like every time I come and every time I have a guest, they always say, wow, that was a fast uh, hour that we had together. So it goes it goes fast for me. I hope it goes quickly for you as well. But learn some good information. Last week, I uh, gave a little market update. Had a nice uh, segment, audio segment I played from our chief uh, investment uh, guy down in uh, Atlanta. And when uh, and you go back to our archives, go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com. You can pick that up. We've already got that posted on the website, so you can hear a little market update and get a little bit of information on what we're thinking in preparation for the upcoming elections. And I was thinking this morning, reading some articles in the Wall Street Journal in preparation for today and looking at some updates on the the virus and some um some remedies of that that we might have coming up and and so you get you get all of your your vaccines and that that could be a big game changer no matter who wins the election a lot of people are concerned especially those listening to this station that what if biden gets uh, elected on here especially if kamala harris gets elected on the on the backside of that um, nomination that there's concern that the whole place is going to fall apart, which we talked about last week, and don't think that's going to happen. It takes longer than that for this great country to, to be taken down. Certainly can be whittled away over time, for sure, but not any immediate uh, reaction, we don't think. At least not in the long term. You know, that's going to go longer than maybe a couple of weeks initially, then things settle down and we get back to back to business. But the, the, that vaccine, if we get that and where it makes all the – especially the radical uh, uh, government leaders finally give in and say, yes, we can go back to work and so forth, then that could really change the outlook for the economy and make things look so much better for the next you know, year, let's say, as we get back to normal or what they call the – what everybody's calling the, the new normal, that that could really be a game changer. I talked to one uh, analyst yesterday and he was saying how he fully expects the fourth quarter to be up 20%. So we'll see what happens. Um, he's a stock guy, so he's he's going to be a little bit more optimistic than most of the rest of us, but uh, but it's there. So last week we had that update, so go see that or go listen to that uh, at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. It's, uh, and you'll see all the other topics we have for discussion there as well. And I think you'll find it very, very valuable. We've been posting these things for years and have a lot of different topics. And you can search by topic for anything you may want to learn some more about. Each of these shows lasts about 46, 47 minutes when you take out the the weather and the promos and all the stuff that's in the middle of that. That's about how long we have actual content. So it doesn't take too long. And you can, when you listen on iTunes, you can fast forward and repeat and do whatever you want to on that. So last week I didn't have time to cover anything about private investments. We talked about the normal stocks, bonds and the markets and that kind of things, but I didn't have a chance to talk about some private investments. And these are things that are typically available to just accredited investors. So I know it's a, um, a smaller market that listening that would have this access or have available this kind of uh, these kind of investments. But at least wanted to mention, take a few minutes and mention that these are available to you if if you didn't weren't aware of that. So the basic four investments that are private investments are private equity, and you got private credit, real assets, and then hedge funds. We call the private investments patient capital. And there's a reason for that because typically the transactions are much less uh, frequent in your public transactions, the regular stock market, very liquid. You can buy and sell all day long and no, no issues. But with private investments, you're going to have 
less frequent transactions, and they're very illiquid. You can only get at, at them uh, so many times a month or so many times a year. So easy access to capital on the public side, not so much uh, easy access on the private side. Uh, the information is available quickly and, and really everywhere on the public side, but there's confidential information on the private side. And, and what most people buy these things for is the public side, you're going to have performance that's presumably in line with whatever the market's doing. Uh, on the private side, you've got illiquidity premium. So you want to get a premium. You want to get paid for the fact that you're having to leave your money tied up in there. Now, that's different than the illiquidity uh Really not premium, but they would call it a premium, I guess, for an annuity. So when you have an annuity that you have a 10-year surrender charge in, you've got illiquidity, but you're not getting paid extra. You may be getting paid a little more guarantee on, if they have the right guarantee in there for that um, for that um, extra amount, that little premium for that 10-year period. But for the most part, I don't think you're getting paid for the illiquidity that you have in that because you can have penalties if you try to get it out typically in the first 10 years and so of course with public you got minority shareholders and you're a minority shareholder on the private side you got more hands-on usually some some control that you would have in that so why do people consider private investments well you got typically more diversification potential uh, there are fewer u.s listed companies uh, in in 1996 for instance there were a little over 8,000. And then in 2018, there were just under 4,400. So the, the number of private company, the listed companies are down a lot. So there are more private companies, of course, and any of those companies that delisted, they're now private companies. So if you're going to access those companies, you get them on the private side. Uh, and typically there's lower correlation to public markets. So what's that mean? The lower correlation means the market may go down or up and you're not necessarily going to go down or up the same amount as the public market's going to. So there's there's a, a difference. So you want attractive returns. I'll say potential attractive returns because you have that illiquidity premium and then you've got the valuation. The, the multiples are typically lower. So in 2018, the P-E ratio was 11.1 versus what the – it was probably up to 18, 20 or something back uh, in 2018, but a good bit higher than what the private companies were showing. And the public companies, uh, R&D, so their research and development is declining, whereas private companies' innovation is uh, is really helping create growth. And there's, there's a lot of different places to put the different types of private placements, and we'll talk about those in just a minute. In a little bit, we'll talk about how to find an advisor, what all these different designations mean, and what to watch out for as you're looking for a financial advisor. But I thought we'd close out this first segment uh, with a song that uh, I, I re-listened to this week, hadn't heard it for a while, and when I listened to the words, I thought, well, this is something we all need today. It's a, a song that Glenn Campbell recorded back in 1970. It's written by Bobby Austin and Kurt Sopaw. And uh, just try a little kindness. Let's see if we can all do that, and we'll all get a little bit better. You see your brother standing by the road With a heavy load From the things he Sister falling by the way Just stop and say When you're going the wrong way When you've got to try a little kindness Get your little kindness Just shine your light for everyone to see
helping hand instead of doubt. And the kindness that you show every day will help someone along their way. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust sponsor Talking Money to help educate listeners about financial planning so you have the information needed to help you make more informed and hopefully better decisions. When a Ronald Blue Trust advisor meets with prospective clients, their goal is to determine if any of our services are a good fit for them. They don't sell any products like annuities or life insurance and as a fiduciary work to serve your best interest. Perhaps you just need a financial physical from the Everyday Steward Division without any ongoing monitoring, or you're about to retire and need to work with the Private Wealth Division to map out a financial path and then help implement and continuously monitor that plan. Ronald Blue Trust Advisors act like your quarterback, coordinating the advice you receive from your accountant, your state attorney, life insurance agent, and in some instances, even your investment advisor. You can learn more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or one 800 5887526 that's 1-800-588-7526 now back to talking money so glad you're listening to talking money hope you enjoyed that little glenn campbell song it brought back some memories for me when i heard it i hope it did for you too but i hope you listened well to the message just try a little kindness can you imagine what the world would be like if everyone did that he talked about narrow-minded people, but uh, I was joking with Paul. I said, "Well, both uh, sides of the of the political uh, persuasion think the other side is narrow-minded, so that probably didn't work." But just try a little kindness. Is everybody would just do that, uh, and and even if you disagree, but you do it in a kind way. That uh, wouldn't it make life a lot uh, a lot different uh, here? But uh, we're all sinners, and we all uh, have issues with things like that at times. So I know that the scripture is pretty clear, also in the Proverbs about a soft answer turneth away wrath you know if we if we just abide by that uh, i think we'd all be a whole lot better off so hope you enjoyed that talking before the break about private investments and just a few more thoughts on that before we get to finding using all these different um, uh, certifications and initials to find out uh, who the right advisor is and maybe some things to, to watch out for as you're doing that but the 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 different objectives that different private investments have have a wide range of them, and I'm, I'm looking at a sheet, a summary sheet that uh, Ronald Blue Trust puts out on the private emplacement section. But uh, you, your objective may be some return enhancement, so that means you might go buyouts, ventures, 
multi-strategies, maybe some opportunistic real estate. You might have alternative income. So then you go and write to private credit, maybe some direct lending. And the private credit does does pay. So one of the things about private credit, if you're eligible for it, and there again, you you need to be an accredited investor for these to be eligible for you, which in the the definition of that is a net worth of a million, excluding your primary residence. Or you have income of 200000 for the last couple of years, or 300000 combined if you're married. And you have that same expectation of having that same amount of income this year. So if you fit that criteria, then your credit investor in these different private placements would be eligible. You'd be eligible for them. So it's, it's not a, a huge hurdle, but it is uh, more hurdle than, than some people can can qualify for. But the private credit, when people, because there's concern about fixed income, where interest rates are so low right now, when you buy fixed income or different types of bonds, then when interest rates go up, that causes the, typically that causes the principal value, your original purchasing price to go down, because it's not worth as much because your dividend yield doesn't change. The dollar amount doesn't change. So in order for it to match what current yields might be for new issues, your price has to go down so that if somebody were to buy yours, their yield is the same as what they can get if they buy a new one. So that's how you can uh, lose money, even with fixed income, if you sell it prematurely. So if you hold it to maturity, then you're going to get your money back. So that's not a problem. But you have to be careful when you're buying and selling. Here's that liquidity premium or even discount, the illiquidity premium or even discount that you have to be careful for, that that it's it's a definite factor that you need to consider. As I mentioned with annuities, you look at the annuities, you have some illiquidity there. You want to be paid for that extra illiquidity. So the private credit has some illiquidity, but typically they pay a good bit higher, and you don't have the same uh, reaction and volatility that you would to the the public corporate bond market because this is private equity, so you don't it's not valued every minute of the day, and so it, and it's typically going to be kept until it is matured and so forth. So you you get uh, typically a higher rate, higher yield for that. Uh, you might have diversification, uh, you, you and you want low correlation to the market. Your objective might be growth and income. Tax advantage is a huge part of tax of private investments is to to have tax advantages. So um, oftentimes we'll take a client who says, "Yes, I need to be. I have a large amount that's in taxable accounts, not IRAs, taxable accounts." So we essentially take an index and we overlay a tax sensitive uh, process to that to help it be more tax sensitive to try to get what we call alpha, extra alpha or extra return above the market return by just being more tax sensitive and more tax aware. So some of the things that to consider there on the private side, of course, if you've got more questions about that and think it might be something of interest, typically you have to work with a professional financial advisor to get access to those. And you'd want to anyway, just to make sure you get the right kinds and you don't want to put too much of your money in there because of the illiquidity part. So you want a combination of things like that. But uh, those are the kind of things that you just call me at the office at 800-588-7526, 800-588-7526. And we'd certainly be glad to, to speak more about that issue for sure. All right, so there are only probably uh, 250,000 or more of people that consider themselves financial advisors in the U.S. You, you'd think um, that would be enough, but 
I guess it's it's really uh, in a situation, not crisis, but as a lot of the uh, financial advisors are getting older and starting to age out or retire, uh, not having somebody else to pass it on to. That's what one of the nice things we had a plan first. Now with Ronald Blue Trust, we have a lot of younger people coming up that we're training, so it's going to be something that we can continue, and we have a continuity. So one of the advantages to working with a firm, even the size plan first was not just the Ronald Blue Trust, which is substantially larger and has more backup, is that you have that backup. So we've, I've heard many situations where, um, and most of these were from people who transferred their uh, accounts or their, they moved from an, uh, up north. They, they left their advisor, kept working with the advisor, uh, even though it was from where they used to live. And one instance where a particular uh, lady had uh, requested some money and didn't get it and wondered why in the world she wasn't getting it. And then she called back and found out that the advisor uh, that she'd worked with for years had passed away. And there was nobody there to make up for it, to take up the slack and to uh, take care of that person's administrative duties or whatever else. Everybody was just left hanging. So I think it's important as you're looking for a financial advisor that you find either find someone who has a team that you know there's somebody else there who can take over. And I'm not talking about you know a a large uh, wirehouse type firm, uh, the Merrill Lynch types, uh, the Bank of America types, where you've got a lot of people in there, but they don't really work together. So there are teams inside those organizations, and that would be a, a better way to go to get some continuity so that there's you're going to have the similar philosophy, investment philosophy, financial planning philosophies, and so forth, that uh, you would have with the person that was working with you, that somebody else is going to take that same philosophy and continue working with you. That's certainly the way it would be at our at our branch, at our firm, at Ronald Blue Trust, just like it was at uh, Plan First. So... We, we all work together as as a team. You don't have a lot of different philosophies in there. We we have different philosophies, but we talk through them and combine those ideas to get what we think is going to be the best way for a client to go. And not everybody uses the same strategy, of course. We're using different strategies for different clients because people, virtually everybody has a different need of some kind. So you want to be um, very much tuned to, to what that person's needs, needs are and uh, design their plan accordingly. Uh, but but I've seen too many times when somebody's working on their own, and I understand there's a lot of people that work on their own. Uh, probably most private independent firms have just one or two people, and they work on their own. So there's nobody else there to take over. So hopefully they have somebody else that they've talked to to say, hey, if something happens to me, I want you to take over my my uh, clients. And they tell the clients, this is what's going on. And, and you should be asking that advisor What's your backup plan? What is your succession plan? What's going to happen to me as a client if something happens to you? You get disabled. You die. You get hit by a Mack truck. Whatever it is, I want to know what my contingency, what are your contingency plans? Many of them, even though they're financial planners, haven't thought through what their own contingency plan is. So I think that's uh, important. There's a lot of articles out there about how to find the right financial advisor. There was uh, one in Investors Business Daily back several years ago. And the title of the article was, Here, a Top Pro's Tips on Finding the Right Advisor. And this was an interview with Ed Slot. Ed Slot's well-known in the financial planning industry as an IRA expert. And so he was asked several several questions. And, of course, one of the things he thinks is a um, an advisor, you should select an advisor who understands taxes as well as investments. And that, to me, is not financial planning, but it, it's more than just understanding investments. Because a lot of people confuse 
financial planning with investment planning. So if, if your advisor is not talking to you about things like the qualified charitable distribution or how to set up your beneficiaries on your IRA and how to maximize the transfer of wealth from you to, to your heirs and, and utilize the tax advantages of maybe a beneficiary as a, the ministry uh, or your charity as opposed to the children and having the children get more of your regular assets and all the different things we talk about here on Talking Money, if they're not talking to you about that, then you don't have a financial planner. And that's okay. Just understand, though, you don't have a financial planner. You've got an investment advisor who's not watching out for you, for your whole picture. They're relying on your CPA or your, your tax preparer to do that for you. And oftentimes, that just doesn't happen. So we'll talk more about finding the right financial advisor when we come back. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Mike Miller, your host. I should say Certified Financial Planner Professional. The CFP Board of Standards likes us to say either professional or, or requires us really to say professional or designee, something like that, that uh, goes along with Certified Financial Planner. So that's one of those things that uh, we have to watch out for. That's one of those designations we talk about. So what do we have out there? So the CFP, Certified Financial Planner, is, is one of the best known, I think, and I, and I hope one of the most respected one. Most people have heard of a CPA, and if a CPA wants to do more financial planning, they get their PFS, their Personal Financial Specialist designation, and I think those are very credible. Uh, I don't think, the, from what I see, the, the CFP is more comprehensive and practical as far as financial planning goes. But, of course, CPA, would we all consider them to be better on the tax side, and that can be true. That's not necessarily true because some CPAs will specialize on the audit side, not on the tax side, or some other part of, of uh, accounting that's not necessarily taxes, and some just love taxes. I talked to one CPA this week and says, yep, uh, taxes is my thing. That's what I like to do all the time. So you got the AEP, the Accredited Estate Planner, the CAP, Advisor in Philanthropy. you got the CRPC. you got the CKA, which is a new one. There's not very much of us out there with that one. That's a Certified Kingdom Advisor. That's those of us who've done a lot more studying on the the biblical side of how the, what the Bible talks about how to invest. And it's amazing to me how people who, even those who don't believe the Bible, when you talk to them about some of the basic logical 
uh, philosophies and concepts in the Bible, like spend less than the earn and diversify and all those things. Those are all biblical principles, even though they're not talked about as biblical principles. But that's something, for especially those who are Christians who want to work with somebody who has the same Christian worldview. You know, of course, we don't work with just people who share our Christian worldview. But for those who do, it's, uh, it's usually a breath of fresh air for them. You've got the the CLU, which I also have. Uh, I don't talk about that much, but I got that in the early years of my career. And the CHFC, the Charter Financial Consultant, which people who are the CLU typically get that. Uh, I went for the Certified Financial Planner route instead of the CH, CHFC route, which I could have done fairly easy, just taking a couple more tests. Uh, so there's and there's there's probably another fifty designations out there, and. What you have to be careful with is is understanding if it's not one of the main, if it's not a certified financial planner, CPA, PFS, or one of the ones that put out by either the College for Financial Planning or the American College, if those are the the two institutions that put out quality material, quality tests, then be careful what the other designations may mean. I remember hearing uh, somebody, uh, maybe in a prospective client, I don't remember now, several years ago, said they were speaking with another firm in addition to ours, and that firm told them what their designations were. I looked it up, and there wasn't much there for that. It was a, maybe it was a questionnaire and things like that. There wasn't much there to get that. You at least had to pass some kind of test, uh, but it wasn't wasn't near the the level of complexity that it takes to get the certified financial planner designations, along with the experience requirement that the CFP professional must go through. Similar to a CPA, you have to have you can't just do get to pass the CPA exam. You have to work with a CPA and get experience, real experience, before they're going to let you use that designation. Uh, this one didn't require that, and, and they specifically told this person who was interviewing them, it's just as good as the CFP. Well, if it's just as good as the CFP, then why didn't you go get the CFP? Uh, there's a reason for that, because it was too difficult to get. But there again, just being a CFP, a CPA doesn't mean you're any good. It just means you were good at taking a test. And you've got to, there's, there's so much more to learn. We've got some, some advisors in our office who are fairly new certified financial planner professionals. But they've got a long way to go when you're talking about taking that information and applying it to real world situations. You want to make sure you're working with somebody who's got some experience and or works with somebody else who has that experience that can look over their shoulders and work as a team. And we have regular advisor meetings at our office where we're talking about concepts and ideas, new things that people have written, uh, read about, and said, hey, have we talked about doing this? Uh, what about these for our clients and so forth? Because we want to be the one that presents an idea to a client. We don't want the client having read something and coming to us and saying, hey, what do you think about this? Now, that happens, and we're grateful for clients to do that because we obviously can't keep up with everything. But... Uh, so I wrote down, this has been several years ago, so it's been three years, more than three years since I talked about this subject. Uh, and I, I, I don't want it to make it sound like it's just a big infomercial about working with Ronald Blue Trust. I want to make sure you understand there are some people out there who will take advantage of it, and you want to make sure you work with somebody that's professional, because we know not everybody's going to work with us, but part of the reason for talking money is to help make you aware of things like this. So a lot of people talk about fee-only. And so, yes, we are fee-only. We don't uh, sell any products. We don't get any commissions. We don't anything like that. You have other firms that are fee-based. Well, that sounds very similar, but it's not. So fee-based typically means that you're going, you, you, you'll make, the advisor will make his money on just a fee without, it's not called a commission, but it's paid to them 
from the investment or maybe it's a pool of investments they put together. The firm might have put together a, a platform where it's they just charge a, a annual fee, the percentage fee on that as opposed to tra- for transactions, but then you get paid from them. So fee only means that there you don't have any any arm, any branch that's gonna they're gonna refer you to that is going to sell any kind of insurance product that fee based would. So I've got I'm fee based, but that means I also typically have other products that I'm going to sell you that I can sell you. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You just want to make sure you you go in it with your eyes wide open. Why did they recommend this to me? Was it because they they referred me to this division like a bank? So a bank says, all right. You go see the teller, you go see the, the account rep, and they say, hey, you've got all this money sitting in this account. I think you need to go see our investment person. Well, unfortunately, the average person thinks of them as another bank employee. Well, they're, they're probably not. They could be, but they're not going to be paid the same way. They're probably a commission-based person. And people think, well, they're the bank, and they don't charge commissions and things like that. And, and then you end up buying an annuity or buy something else that, that had some kind of commission in it or had some kind of a, a back-end charge that you weren't aware of, and then you're stuck, and you and you didn't realize that that's what you were getting into. So you want to make sure you understand how this person is getting paid. Uh, so uh, that you know, and if you go to a doctor, you, you know, even nowadays, you go to a doctor and think, okay, if the doctor owns – the radiology equipment, the x-ray equipment, and they're uh, suggesting, recommending that you get this particular test done or that particular test done. Well, if they own a a interest in the facility that's doing the testing, well, then you got to be careful about that. Uh, they they may be they they may over uh, recommend tests. And we don't expect that to happen with a the doctor. They they take those oaths, you know, but it, it happens. They're human as well. So just be careful and make sure you understand. If somebody seems to be recommending more test than they should, maybe there, there's a reason for that. So on the fee-only side, on the financial advisor side, make sure you truly understand how somebody is being compensated. I've known advisors who, and I, I, I use that term loosely because they normally were salespeople, when they were asked how much they earned, they got greatly offended and didn't even want to talk about it. Well, that should be a huge red flag for you. Or if you go to buy an annuity and you say, well, how much do you get? What's the commission on that? And they say, oh, there's there's no commission. I get paid for the marketing budget of the insurance company. Well, run away from that person because that's an absolute lie. <laughs> it's totally misleading because that's not true. They get paid from you, and it may flow through the marketing side, but they're not going to get paid anything. That would be the second question to ask them. If that's the case, then you're going to get paid whether I buy something or not. Uh, no, it, does, it doesn't work that way. So be very – don't be afraid to ask some of these questions. I know a lot of people, good old Southerners, we want to be nice to everybody and not ask them those kind of hard questions. Um, but you can just tell them, hey, I heard um, this guy on the radio talking. He said I should ask this question. <laughs> and then it, it's it's me, the bad guy, and not you. So that's, that works better. Um, so another thing I've seen, so people that are quoted in the newspaper or quoted on the news or uh, often quoted uh, in different places that it makes it look like they are the advisor, the one who everybody should go to because they, they must be the best because obviously – the the news people are the ones asking them. Well, that's not the case. Now, I've been I've been quoted plenty of times and worked with Channel Four for years, and it's one of those things that uh, it's it's what's convenient for them, and it's also if they feel like they're going to get some good sound bites from somebody they feel is credible, they do have to feel that they're credible. 
But that doesn't mean that they're going to be the best financial planner for you. So just because they, they have a lot of marketing exposure doesn't mean they're the best ones for you. I remember years ago there was a guy, this is mid-80s, in, in the Greenville area. And some of you will remember who this is. I'm not going to give his name. But he was on all the new shows. He was on what some some of you remember the old Nancy Welch show. He was on that show, and he and she was quoting him as uh, identifying him as the IRA expert, the best financial planner. Well, he ended up uh, you know getting arrested and getting indicted and all this stuff later when he was doing stuff he wasn't supposed to be doing. So so be careful of that still. Check people out. So there are ways to check out. Go to the Better Business Bureau. Go to the SEC websites. Go to the FINRA websites, F-I-N-R-A, FINRA, and do broker checks on these people. Now, Ronald Blue Trust, we're a trust company, so we are overseen by the OCC, uh, the Office of Control of Currency. So that's different than the SEC. We used to be, for years, we're, we're monitored by the SEC, and, and that was kind of a pain sometimes because they would come in and ask questions and didn't necessarily know what they were talking about. OCC is a little more onerous, and uh, it's a higher level of fiduciary responsibility because we're treated like a trust company, like a bank, because we are a trust company bank. So understand and, and do some do some background checking like you do, you know, you, you would with a, a contractor you're about to hire. So do the same thing with a financial planner. All right, we'll be back with more of this discussion about how to find the, the right financial planner, some things to watch out for, and some things that I jotted down. We'll go over those when we come back. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust as the sponsor of Talking Money. As a trust company with clients in all 50 states, Ronald Blue Trust can serve as trustee, backup trustee, or even personal representative, what we used to call the executor or executrix. This can be a valuable service, especially if you'd like to pass on your values and not just your valuables to your heirs. Your heirs will probably have one of two perspectives. Either they will say something like, what am I going to inherit? Which is usually the common perspective. Or they will ask, what is going to be entrusted to me? What talents will I be responsible to manage? Tim Kimmel, director of Family Matters, said it well. Quote, you can't leave character to your trust account. You can't write your values into the will. You can't bank traits like courage, honesty, and compassion in a safe deposit box. What we need is a plan a long-term strategy to convey our convictions to the next generation, unquote. Estate and trust planning are about much more than saving taxes or simply making sure your assets get transferred efficiently to your children. You can find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-PLAN. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And you're listening to Mike Miller. This is Talking Money. Just uh, one of those crazy things. So we're talking about finding a financial advisor. We're not talking about political type things. Uh, but I think um, that it's important to understand where a person's coming from, where that advice is coming from to understand. So a couple of things I jotted down. Uh, watch out for the advisor who offers or essentially sells the same thing to everyone. Now, if they all get annuities, if they all buy life insurance, so the, the people who talk about, you know, no taxes in retirement, then they're, t- they're taking essentially all of your IRA funds and having you take it out of the IRA funds, pay all the taxes now. So there's no taxes in retirement. This means I've already paid my tax. You're going to pay the taxes sometime. 
It's just when are you going to pay them? And you put it in the money in the life insurance policy, which grows then tax deferred, and you have a life insurance benefit that can help make up for a lot of of the loss of of income. But it has to be for the right person. Uh, so not everyone. This is not going to appeal to I think most people because they want to have access to the money themselves, not necessarily just make it up for uh, with their family and their heirs when they die. So really be careful about that. And say for re- retirement income with no tax. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. If I got an IRA, it's going to be taxed. Now, they have these fancy ways of showing how the tax is going to be paid back by borrowing money back from the life insurance policy. I understand how all that works. Just be very careful because it's still a very expensive way to get those that tax deferral and that tax money. I think using a Roth IRA and things like that it throws out all that extra cost of the insurance. But there again, sometimes the insurance is appropriate. But if you're working with somebody, that's really all they do is sell annuities or they sell insurance products or they sell other investment products, everybody gets the same thing, then watch out. That's not really the person you ought to be working with. And then and I talked about earlier, all these credentials that are out there, really make sure that they're legitimate. If it's not one of the main, the CPA, the CFP, PFS, uh, CLU, uh, CHFC, those kind of ones that are better known, if it's a, a different kind of designation, one that you hadn't heard of, oh, check it out a little bit. Uh, don't just ask the person, what does that mean? Or maybe it just looks good if they have all these initials after their name. Make sure that they really are, they do mean something. Um, when you're working with an advisor, and this happens often, it's not a bad thing. It's not a negative uh, comment on you. It's the fact that you don't, none of us don't know what we don't know. That, of course, we don't. Uh, and there's a lot of financial planning things that we do. I mean, even remember hearing one of our clients say back not that long ago, uh, Eddie was with them, and they were with another person that was not a client and who was considering it. And this other client said, we didn't say that, but the, the guy said, well, I've already got a financial planner. And, and the, the person who was a client of ours knew the person who was a financial planner and said, well, yeah, they're a financial planner, but they don't do what Eddie does. And so it's like, okay, there is a difference in financial planning, and uh, and some people need it, some people don't. But you just need to understand there's different levels of, of qualifications there. Uh, what about the commissions? So understand how you're going to pay for the service. Are they commissions? Are they up front? Are they, are they ongoing? Are there termination fees? What are the things that uh, are going to cost you money, and how much does it cost you? Now, typically we say you get what you pay for. So it, the, the fees may be higher. Maybe you'll get what you pay for. But just be cautious because maybe you're not. Because I know some people say, well, my fee is half of what your fee is. Well, maybe you're getting less than half of the service that that person is charging more is giving you, but maybe not. So you want to, to check that out. And then as, uh, and as I said earlier, just a good reminder that investment planning is not financial planning. It's a part of financial planning. But investment planning is just one part of financial planning. There's taxes. There are states. There's cash flow management. There's a lot of other things that are involved in that. And as you get to, especially as a business owner, there's even more out there that you need to be careful with. And there's another really important part. Don't overemphasize returns when you're evaluating an advisor. And we've seen this happen before where somebody comes in and they said, okay, what, what are your returns? What are your returns going to be? And the answer to that would be, should be, I have no idea. If somebody says, well, okay, well, here's our returns. We expect to get X percent. Well, they don't know what they're going to get. So what they say means absolutely nothing. So unless the the return that they're talking about getting is something in a treasury or a CD type investment or an annuity that has a fixed account, uh, 
not not an indexed annuity, but a fixed account that says, I'm going to pay you 2%. I'm going to pay you 3%. And it's guaranteed. Usually those are only guaranteed for a year, three years, maybe five years tops. But that's as far as it goes. Then you can say, that I know I'm going to get. Otherwise, what you'll typically see is somebody's going to show you a, a computer printout that shows all these different investments. There are different types of mutual funds or ETFs or index funds or whatever they are and say, here's here's a sample portfolio. And you say, wow, this portfolio looks pretty good. You've got great returns here. So the, the next question should be, well, were your clients actually in that portfolio? Believe me, anybody can go to Morningstar or go to some other kind of reporting service and find out what have been the best earning investments, best earning, best total return mutual funds for the last year, five years, whatever it's been, and put together a portfolio. So you could get a portfolio that says, wow, look, for the last 10 years, this is what this portfolio has done. But if they're skewing it to just show a higher return, well, that doesn't mean you're going to get that return. That just means, okay, this is what that portfolio would have earned had you been in it. So did you have anybody in that portfolio, or is this just something you you put together now saying, going forward, this is what you're going to be in, hoping that the next 10 years will replicate the last 10 years? You can't do that. So really, it's a matter of trusting this advisor's process. What do they do to determine what their investments are? What do they do to how they determine what the allocation should be and that those kind of things. So it's very important to do that. Also caution you that some advisors are duly registered. They're registered with the SEC, but they're also just a broker. So you got to understand when they're putting which hat on. It may not be the right hat that, that to make sure they really are being a fiduciary and always being that fiduciary. That's very important too. All right. So there's some key thoughts. Uh, we got a couple minutes left in the program, but I, I played a Glenn Clamble. Glenn Campbell song earlier in the, in the show. I just think it's a good reminder for all of us to you know try a little kindness. So we're going to play his song. It may have a few seconds after he's through to say another comment, but if not, we'll leave you with that fine message as we uh, go out the rest of your day. So here's Glenn Campbell again. Try a little kindness. Wouldn't it be great if everybody did that? Brother standing by the road with a heavy load, the things he sold. And if you see your sister falling by the way, just stop and say, when you're going the wrong way. Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, 
and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested.